Amen. Luke chapter 23, verse number 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. That's good. Thank y'all. I love y'all. I think I'm going to have church tonight. Amen. 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 Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Amen. Now, I'm going to be good and try to compose myself and stand behind this thing and Amen. Act like a seminarian. Amen. Now, if I get to spitting and acting charismatic and stuff, amen, if Dr. Hunt start rolling his eyes, just don't, just overlook it, you know, just. <laughs> I love it. Amen. If you're there, shout, I'm there. From the New American Standard Version of the Bible, the Bible declares, but Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. If I had to tag this text, if I had to, I would probably call it forgiveness at its best. Will you bump somebody next to you and tell them, thank God I'm forgiven? Come on, you didn't bump nobody. Bump somebody. Come on, don't be Catholic tonight. Bump somebody and tell them, thank God that I... Now listen, come on. Touch somebody that's got a good wig on and tell them, thank God that I am forgiven. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Brothers and sisters, the crucifixion procession has now arrived at Calvary a little before 9 o'clock on Friday morning. Two thieves were fastened to their crosses and raised into place. Next, the Roman soldiers fashioned Jesus into his cross by driving nails through his hands and his feet. Then they raised up the cross with Jesus on it to an upright position. Picture it. There, Jesus hung on the center cross between two criminals. To pass the time, the text says they gambled, deciding by casting of lots who will be awarded the victim's last possessions. This, brothers and sisters, is the scene of where we are tonight. Now, brothers and sisters, real quick, it can be said that the death of Jesus is natural, unnatural, and supernatural. Natural, unnatural, and supernatural. It is natural because he really did die. Look at somebody and tell them he did die. His death was a natural one. It was unnatural in that he did not have to die. Bump somebody, tell them, thank God he died. Thank God he died. It, it, it was unnatural in that he should not have died. But the wages of sin is death. He, he had no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So he 
died. It was unnatural that a holy and perfect man should die. It was supernatural in that he himself laid down his life. Nobody took his life. He laid down his life. Somebody shout, it was supernatural. It but he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they were doing. Let, let me try to attempt to be a good teacher tonight because the first thing I want to show you is that this was prophetic fulfillment. Somebody shout prophetic fulfillment. When it is, brothers and sisters, that we read Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 12, it says, Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide his booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressor. The, the prophetic word reveals to us that the suffering of Jesus was according to the divine plan of God. That Jesus would, brothers and sisters, be our substitute. Somebody shout substitute. Let me pause parenthetically in part and thank God that he paid a debt that he did not owe because I had a debt I could not afford to pay but here's my other shout tonight thank God that I serve a God who is always able to fulfill his own word you you ought to shout right there because there are some people that you know that the moment they open their mouth you know they lying because they can't do half the stuff they pump but I wish I had somebody that can testify when God gives a word it does not matter how long it takes to come into manifestation he is not watch your voice Negro he's not a man that he should lie neither the son of a man that he should repent if God said it he's able to bring it to pass come on high five somebody with a good eyebrow arch and tell him he's able to bring his word to pass it it it, it was prophetic fulfillment, but number two, number two, it was a prayer for his enemies. Somebody shout his enemies. His now, brothers and sisters, notice in his last hour, thank you, Dr. Hunt, Jesus is saying a prayer. Watch this, a request to God. But it is remarkable, brothers and sisters, that Jesus is not asking anything for himself. Okay, come on, let, let's look at the bigger picture. He is on a cross. He, he has nails in his hand, nails in his feet. Can you imagine he is tired and fatigued? He is emaciated, and he's watching soldiers gamble his clothes. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is a desire to practice what he taught. Y'all not talking. It, 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 the first thing that came out of his mouth was uh, a reminder. Reminder to all of us what he teaches us earlier in the book of Matthew that when it is that you go into a petition to God, you got to remember to pray for the forgiveness of other people. Y'all not talk because you got to understand the Bible says we've got to forgive as we are forgiven. Now, don't you sit there and look at me with that tone of voice like you ain't never done nothing wrong, like you ain't never, y'all not gonna be honest. I wish I had about 10 of y'all that. 
to be honest tonight that you had some folk that did you so dirty that when you went in the prayer, you were saying, Lord, you saw what they did. I need you to cut them, slash their tires. I don't care what you do. You know they was wrong for lying on me. Lord, I need you to get them. We have a spirit of retaliation, but Jesus, who is dying on the cross for our sins, says, forgive them. Uh, I said I was going to stand right here and teach. Uh, uh, forgive them. Forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. What, what does that word, forgive them, what does that mean? It, it is the Greek word, aphiomi. It, it, with the basic meaning, watch this, it means to send away. Uh, the, the word occurs often in the Greek commercial papyrus fragments. It has the idea to release from a legal or moral obligation. Watch this. Or the consequence. It it means to cancel. It means to remit. It means to pardon. He's asking in spite of what they're doing to me, he says, Father, I need you to pardon them. I need you to cancel the consequence. I need you, y'all not talk. I need you to remit what they're doing. Now, I know they're doing me wrong because I'm innocent, and they ain't supposed to be doing me like this. I know you've been the same way. Lord, I'm innocent. I'm a good old wholesome, wholesome church member. I pay my ties. I give my offering. I don't cuss at nobody. I don't give nobody the finger in the road. I go through traffic with my hand on the steering wheel, 10 to 2. Lord, I do everybody right. Ain't nowhere in the world they supposed to treat me this bad. But in the middle of his suffering, he teaches us that sometimes when God has a plan for your life, you got to deal with scandalous people. You got to deal with people talking about you like a dog. But it's not about what they do to you. Can you cancel their debt? He, he says, forgive them. Now, now, I find it very interesting, Dr. Hill, I find it very interesting that he was not on the cross asking for anything of him own. He, he does not ask for help. He's not asking from release from this situation. He's not on the cross saying, Daddy, turn all these jokers into frogs. Come on. I mean, come on. Infest them with pestilence. Break them out with boils. No. He's not looking to get off the cross and saying, I changed my mind. I'm tired of this. I'm tired. Bring a band of angels and wipe this place out. I mean, come on. It, it's just too much. No. He opens his mouth and says, Father, forgive them. Which means, brothers and sisters, we cannot overlook this idea that this is a prayer of unselfishness. He is concerned for the people who are responsible for crucifying him. And he's asking God to forgive them. Somebody shout, we needed forgiveness. Instead of thinking of himself and his own needs, he is thinking of those whose souls are in such a greater peril than his own. No, watch this, brothers and sisters. It is the perfect picture of real love. 
at the height of his greatest extremity. He looks down with love for other people. And brothers and sisters, it's a sad case how little we care about other people. It's a sad case how we come to church and shout and dance over people that we don't even speak to. It's a shame that people come in and out of our churches and we don't even know who they are, but we want their tithe and their offering, but don't even know how to shake each other's hands. We run visitors all from the church because you intimidated about your little position that you don't do no work in but get mad when somebody else comes in new. Y'all not talking because we are a selfish people. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't come to church just to think about myself. I don't come to church just to say I'm on my way to heaven by myself. There's a whole line, a whole generation of Jacksons that I need to get in the kingdom. So when I come to the house of God, it's not just about me. It's about somebody else. Touch somebody and tell them you weren't just saved for yourself. You need to minister to somebody else. <laughs> it's sad, brothers and sisters, that we are such a selfish people and call ourselves kingdom citizens, but only consider our welfare over everybody else's. Can I tell you why there's so much killing? It's not just wickedness. It's because people are selfish. What makes a person go rob somebody for something that they can go get a job and get for themselves? It is a spirit of selfishness. That's what happened in the kingdom. That's why we got a bunch of folk who come the church always wanting prayer. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Come on, let it, maybe it just happened in my church. But have you ever seen people who come to the altar every week for the same issue? I mean, good Lord, you've been saved five years and you still shacking. You've been saved five years and you still telling the same lie you was telling when you came to Vision Church. I'm come on, Jesus, you dating the same Negro that said he was gonna marry you three years ago. And you still ain't got a ring. Y'all not talking. <laughs> it is a spirit of self. I shouldn't be preaching like this with my professor in the room. It is a spirit of selfishness. That's why we say stupid stuff like, if I'm not happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. That's a demon spirit. Selfishness has plagued the mentality of the church. But notice what Jesus does. He gives us the picture of a mediator. He, he came for this very purpose to stand as a mediator between God and sinful man. Therefore, upon the cross, he prayed for those who stood below crucifying him. And I need to pause parenthetically and give God praise that when he was in prayer, he didn't leave nobody out because all of us are in desperate need of forgiveness. I know you come to church and you look good. Thank God that you showed up for the first night of Holy Week, but if some of us tell the truth and take your church mask off, you still got some stuff in the closet that still got skin on it. Y'all not talking. You still got some issues and some hang-ups that you need God to clean. Somebody lift your hands, open your mouth, and shout, Lord, cleanse me. 
<laughs> Jesus, I'm almost done. I promise I am. Number three, number three. It was a prayer of trust in his father. It was a prayer of trust in his father. Watch this. At the moment he begins the long course of death through excruciating pain, he speaks in love to the only one who had the ability to deliver him. He prays to God himself. Notice what he says. Father. I need somebody to just open your mouth and shout Father. Father. Uh, Father. Father on the other hand is a false first and foremost term of relationship and endearment. It is the Greek word pater. Father, it is the Greek word pater. It symbolizes a relation. Watch this. It gives the idea of a child having the ability of trusting in his father. And you know, if you have a good father, you can hear your father calling your name no matter where you are. When you've got a real good connection, let me tell you a quick story. There was a night, I shared this with my church. There was a night, no, early one morning. Early one morning before the alarm went off, my wife jumps up out the bed. And I looked at her. And I said, girl, what is wrong with you? I mean, scared the death out of me. Jumped up out of sleep and said, my daddy called my name. I said, girl, no, he didn't. Your phone didn't ring. She said, my daddy called my name. Girl, your daddy is on the other side of Houston on Bama, North Houston. That man ain't called. She said, Kareem, my daddy called my name. It was 30 minutes later. Her phone rings. Daddy's on the phone. And she said, Daddy, can I tell you something crazy? I jumped up out of my sleep because I heard you call my name. Daddy said, yeah, about 30 minutes ago, I was praying for you. Y'all not going to talk to me because when you got a good father, no matter where you, watch your voice, Jackson, no matter where you are, stop hollering, your daddy can communicate with you. Y'all not going to talk to me. That's why, brothers and sisters, if you were raised in a good home, even if you were in a room, first lady, and it was a bunch of noise going on, you were so connected to your parents that they could whisper your name. And out of all of the commotion, you can hear them calling your name. Uh, that's what I'm looking at here on the cross. That word pattern, it is a family term spoken within the family circle. It often expresses Abba, which roughly translated daddy. Oh, God. I, I need a daddy's girl to help me preach a minute. Is there any daddy's girl that can testify? It don't matter what the rest of the folk call him. They might call him Derek. They might call him professor. They might call him pastor. But in the middle of service, daddy. Y'all not going to talk to me. Oh, that's a family term. See, everybody can't do that. And if you're spoiled like my wife, she would get jealous if anybody tried to take up her daddy's time. Oh, I understand. Yeah, he just your pastor, but he's my daddy. I need somebody to throw your hands up and shout, he is my daddy. Oh, open your mouth and shout, Father. 
father. Oh, wait, let me pause. Let me tell you what get on my nerves. See, when I'm in a dilemma, I don't have time to go through the rituals. You know, father, Lord, before the earth stood and the earth had its frame, you were God. No, no, no. I say, father, daddy, this is a 911. I'm getting ready to slap brother man over here right on the deacon board. If you don't show up, for I need somebody to talk to me and can testify when I'm in need, I call him father. I got to go. I do. It, it, it is, brothers and sisters, an intimate term. In this prayer, at his last hour, I got to sit down. Jesus addresses God, the God of the universe, as Father. And then he invites us to do the same. What did he tell his disciples in Matthew 6, verse 9? When we go into prayer, call him our Father, yeah, y'all read the Bible. Come on, our Father, which means He's not just exclusive to you. Oh, you don't scare me. He's He's not just your Father, but He's our Father. Bump somebody and tell him He ain't just yours. He's mine too. Father, Father, Father. He says, "Our Father." beginning his prayer with the word father Jesus is expressing at the same time love and confidence in his father he's saying father I trust you I know that you're able to make things happen father father I trust you watch this and I have confidence that you've got the outcome already said when you really trust him as father you don't have to butter him up to get what you want. You just open your mouth and call him father. Let me get out of here now. Here's my fourth point and I'm on my way to my seat. It was a prayer that left nobody excluded. Somebody shout, no saint left behind. Jesus prays that the father, watch this, would forgive them. Them. Wait a minute. Who in the world is them. Okay, that's a good exegetical question if you don't know. Who in the world is them? I mean, come on, let's let's peruse the pericope. Could it be that he's talking about the soldiers? He could be praying for the Roman soldiers who routinely put men to death at this site of God. I mean, you do know this is not the first time they were doing a crucifixion. Okay, we'll get to that another day. Could it be that he was talking about Pilate? Pilate might have been a better candidate against all the law he had given the order to crucify him. Okay, the soldier's pilot. Well, who else? Maybe he's talking about the chief priests and the scribes. They were the primary force behind his crucifixion. I mean, the sister just said, once Jesus cleansed the temple of their greedy trade in animals and money, changing at outrageous exchange rates, they were determined to kill him because he messed up their money change. Yeah, could have been there. Well, well, maybe it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were his early enemies. Jesus' plain teaching about the kingdom of God, it offended them. The Sadducees sought to discredit who he was. But let me sit down and tell you, it was not just Pilate. It was 
was not just the chief priests and the scribes. It was not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was not just the soldiers. But you and I, we were in that category too. But when you think about it, all of our sins have stunk in his nostrils. Don't you sit there and look at me like you ain't never done nothing wrong. Don't you sit there and look at me like you never claimed children on your taxes that was not yours. Don't you look at me like you ain't never asked nobody that's got a food stamp card for a little, you know, can you give me some change? I'll give you some money, you give me some groceries. Don't you sit there and act like you ain't never got mad at people on the road and flipped them the Holy, the Holy Ghost bird. Don't you act, don't you sit there and look at me like you ain't never told no lies. You know the bill collector called and you said he ain't home, but you knew that was you. Don't you sit there and look at me like you ain't never done nothing wrong. I need you to bump somebody and tell them neighbor. When you look at me, I'm sitting down. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, when you look at me, you're looking at a recipient of the forgiveness of God. If he had not have forgiven me, Rodney, let's have church for two minutes. If he had not have forgiven me, I wouldn't be where I am tonight. Shake somebody's hand like you're going to shake it off and tell them neighbor, oh neighbor, tell them I don't mean to get on your nerves, but tell your neighbor, tell them say neighbor, when I think, preach Kareem Abdul, of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, squeeze somebody's hand and shake it like a salt shaker and tell him my shout tonight is because he forgave me. He looked beyond my faults and it's on my knees. Squeeze somebody's hand. I'm going to my seat tonight. Squeeze somebody's hand. Look them in their face and say, neighbor, excuse me, but I got a reason to give God glory. When I look back over my life and see where he brought me from, I should have been dead, sleeping in my grave, but he prayed for me. Father, Forgive them, for they know not what to do. Is there anybody here that can throw your hands up and shout, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I should have been gone, but you canceled my consequence. Grab one more neighbor. Look them in the face. Y'all looking, but you ain't listening. Grab somebody. Grab them by the hand. Look them in the face and tell them, neighbor, if you and I get together and give God glory that he forgave our sins, he canceled the debt, you ought to give God glory. Open up your mouth and tell God thank you. Open up your mouth and tell God thank you. I'm done. But as I take my seat, let me say this. Because of the richness of his forgiveness, how dare us hold a grudge against anybody. That's right. That's right. As good as God has been to us, 
as much as he has forgiven us, come on, how dare we hold somebody under the gun? Come on, because of an offense that they have given us. If God can let us go, you ought to be able to pardon somebody else. Touch somebody and tell them, thank God I'm forgiven. Come on, give God a hand clap.